So the next, um, the next question, all right. Um, and this is really about Malcolm. Um, this is the, this is the same question about um, Martin Luther King. And um, so we'll watch this short video, and then we'll um, answer the questions afterwards. We must also realize that the problems of racial injustice and economic injustice cannot be solved without a radical redistribution of political and economic power. We read one day, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But if a man doesn't have a job or an income, he has neither life nor liberty and the possibility for the pursuit of happiness. He merely exists. Estimated that we spend $322,000 for each enemy we kill in Vietnam, while we spend in the so-called war on poverty in America only about $53 for each person classified as poor. The promises of the Great Society have been shot down on the battlefield of Vietnam, making the poor, white and Negro, bear the heaviest burdens both at the front and at home. The other thing I want you to understand is this, that it didn't cost the nation one penny to integrate lunch counters. It didn't cost the nation one penny to guarantee the right to vote. But now we are dealing with issues that cannot be solved without the nation spending billions of dollars and undergoing a radical redistribution of economic power. Yes, yes. Based on um, you know the video you you know we just saw you know and and what you just heard the way he's talking about you know so, you know the wages of of you know of the people right um, what would you think you know you know what would MLK say about today's black economics? Thank you, Ruth. I think Dr. King would say that um, people need to have. Uh, black people specifically need to have the same access. So it's not so much about, you know, having a job, but are you getting paid um, at a, at a wage that is a livable wage? Are you um, getting looked, are you getting passed on for promotions? Are you like, 
are you being respected as an individual or are you just seen as as a, a body that needs to fill a space at you know this location or this business so um yeah so everyone having equal access to opportunities that are available um not being discriminated against or passed on for opportunities that come up in the workplace um of course being educated and knowing what um, different positions are available to you. I think for many people, if they don't, um, let's say they just don't have access to certain information, um, or maybe they in their families, they're only used to a certain type of job, maybe just regular um, day, you know, work they do with their hands. Not, not that anything is wrong with, you know, work with your hands, but they haven't been, they don't see people in their families or in their immediate communities um, doing work that maybe uh, involves, um, maybe, I don't know what words to use, uh, I guess um, opportunities that would encourage them to go outside of just kind of, you know, their hands or, or just simple jobs, but jobs that are more industrious or more um, like engineering kind of based, you know, all these STEM based positions, um, because I, I think that's where the money is right now. So just giving people opportunities and educating them, and as well as making sure that the playing field is equal for everyone, uh, men and women. Right, right. No, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want, I think that, um, I, I think I'm, I'm kind of along where you're going with the STEM based thing as a civil engineer. Um, and my, you know, desire, you know, how would I say this? You see, Dr. King was, on the right path because he had started um he was you know he had started focusing on poverty as you all know he was trying to um his last campaign was about poverty and you have to realize at this time it's not like the people that put in that installed redlining into the communities and when they were using highways, remember these are all construction-based, uh, this is structures in our community, actual buildings. You know, they, you know, when they used the structure to cause poverty, they didn't come out and say, oh, you know, this is what we're doing. No. So, you know, that has always been one of the major, you know, issues that I've, you know, been wrestling with, you know, as an engineer trying to do work, you know, socially. Uh, conscious work is that it was always like a sneak operation so it wasn't like they were going around saying hey you know this is what we're doing right with the urban renewal as Stefan said you know the um and what they did with the redlining was literally restrict movement that's how they segregated America a lot of the places that are black now were multicultural back in the day with Irish, different people all over the world, uh, Italians, all a lot of Euro European immigrants, a lot of people living together because the factories that they were working at were close by the city centers. They restricted movement uh, to the point where even if a realtor would be able to, um, a realtor would um, lose his realty license if he uh, rented out, you know, um, suburban, land to a person of color so these systems he was on the trail and i think you know in his look for poverty he was beginning to come i mean i think that they were discovering you know what redlining really was 
you know, that is a deliberate attempt, is something that is done on purpose systemically that causes um, poverty. And um, the 1968 Act, the Fair Housing Act, was actually, to be honest, um, and you'll see it in many of his 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 um, his videos online. He always says that the, the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act of 1964-1965 didn't cost anybody anything. It was just a, like you know, it's an ideology. Oh, you want to be a human being? You want to vote for your for your leaders? We get it. That's but the 1968 Act actually the made it illegal to for segregation. It actually was the law that stopped segregation. And there's been no repair of that ever since then. And I think that's where the Civil Rights Act, and I think that's where he would be, um, I think that's where he would be talking about today. He would be talking about, as civil rights people, what are we doing to address redlining and uh, the effects of it, the creation of, segre of, of, of segregation using this system, what has been the effects, you know, ETC. Um, next, um, is Tonya. So I think that Dr. King would definitely talk about access. Um, I think he would talk about how there are systems in place to continue to move the goalposts. There's a reason why black women are the most educated in America yet there's still so many black people who are poor there it is not a coincidence that most of the jobs that black women go for they they require you to have a bachelor's or a master's but the minimum pay is 15 dollars an hour mm. um it is not it is not a coincidence that a lot of the blue collar jobs that a lot of black men held and made great money from and had great pensions from, no longer have a pension or no longer part of unions. Unions are banned in certain parts of the country, um, right the work states, all of that, all of these things have been put in place for a reason. And I think that he would definitely be acknowledging that at this time. Yep, yep, yep. Wow. Um, to hear those 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 speeches um, compiled together like that was just amazing. And there were some key words that I was able to pull out of it. And the first one that hit me really hard was radical. And I think that Dr. King would still be on that mode that um, and I think radical is a word enough for uh, those who are holding on real tight to know that you mean business, but understand that I think radical also has a, has a safety type of mechanism to it in terms of um, it's not destructive. Radical doesn't always mean destructive. And, you know, Marlon, this summer when we got a chance to, to work together, we were talking a lot about, and you kept bringing up how America and uh, African-Americans here, just the basics to survive. And when Dr. 
uh, King talked about just existing and we were talking about just surviving and, and um, others are talking about the access to thrive. And thrive. Yep. yeah, exactly, exactly. And then when you talked about the redlining and the rest restrictive and um, when in the last comment, uh, the brother after me was talking about um, the the loans and things of that nature. Right. It's just it's just so complex and multi layered, right. and it's like my goodness, the fuckery is just I just I, oh my goodness. Um, and I I was also just thinking about how everyone was so in awe about the $8 that African-Americans in Boston were able to save as opposed to, does anyone know the amount for the other folks? Um, it's 257 for white folks and 12,000 for Caribbean, like immigrant, that, you know, population. Uh-huh. Interesting. The Boston Globe, you're talking about the Boston Globe. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, so how can you build on $8 an hour? Again, the young lady spoke about having master's and bachelor's degrees and then and then looking at you, why don't you pay you $15 an hour? Um, I think I think continuing to be radical, continue to be up in your face. And what's amazing now is that so much information we have access to. It's, well, I know my time's probably almost up, but when the brother talked about Rodney King, and there we had in front of us a video, because what were we always told? If you can see it, you can believe it. And when we keep talking the facts about what's being done, the redlining, the lack of this, the, the, the restrictiveness, it, we see it. You can't tell me that others don't see it. Right. right. So, yeah. Radical. Hot. All right. All right. Last one on these. Um, Stefan. Yeah. So, um, MOK, uh, if you look at some of his earlier writings, and I mean, even when he was, um, you know, doing PhD work um, and stuff like that, economics was always a focus of his. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that by the, by the, towards the end of his life, um, that was a primary focus of where the, where the movement was going. Um, because it's one thing, uh, like he said, you know, to talk about, you know, uh, integrating a lunch counter, but if you can't, if you can't afford uh, to eat at the lunch counter, what, right. what, what good is that? And so the thing that, um, Again, used to to use the word lament that I talked about uh, ancestor Malcolm using ancestor King would have lamented or would still be lamenting now um, just the ways in which we uh, and this goes beyond Black people, um, but the ways in which of course we're hit hardest, but the ways in which um, capitalism as a whole um, is an economic system uh, that is. Uh, literally sucks the 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 life out of out of people out of human beings. Um, literally, capitalism. Uh, you can see it now in the middle of the in in the midst as we still are in the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. And I believe that we would um, be out of the pandemic as we know it 
um, if it were not for, not just about people wanting to do whatever they want to do, but if it were not for the economic implications of completely shutting down. Right. Country. Oh, preach, brother. If it was not for the economic uh, implications of doing that, um, uh, I feel like that would have happened. But but capitalism. So capitalism, right. um, as we know it, um, unfortunately has, you know, um, you know, it, it prioritizes profit over people. It prioritizes production over people. It prioritizes performance over people. Um, I'm a preacher, so I'm using that alliteration. It's right. it's these things are prioritized over people, over human lives. And so, um, you know, we we don't want to pay people living wages while inflation continues to rise because we prioritize profits. We we don't want to uh, pay people what they need because we need their production, uh, but we don't value their lives. Uh, and we want to perform that we that we this is a land of opportunity. This is a land of the free. This is a land where you can come and make your or or exist here and make your dreams come true. Uh, but again, that is only a performance because we're not doing the work to prioritize people actually realizing a quote unquote dream or even realizing a life outside of poverty. Um, wow. And so poverty continues to be rampant, um, of course, in our communities, but all across the United States and in different. Uh, communities based on racial and ethnic uh, uh, ethnic um, considerations. And so again, our big enemy um, is capitalism and the way that capitalism is constructed in the United States against people, uh, but for corporations, for military, for um, you know these entities uh, that really work against the the actual life-giving possibilities that we could have um, as a country. Dr. King said a budget is a moral document. Uh, what the heck does our budget say about us? Right. What does the United States budget say about the federal government budget say about us? What is what are our different state levels? Of course, I'm in New York. What is the state New York state uh, or you know North Carolina or or in Massachusetts? What does the state budget say about us? What are what are these city budgets? What are they actually saying about <laughs> us? What we value? And once again, I think it comes back to valuing profits over people, production over people, performance. Uh, over people. No, man, brother, I, I, I completely, I completely concur with what you're saying. Um, I think, um, you know, just even just to add a little bit, the, you know, the, the way all these systems, and I think even, um, I think uh, uh, just to summarize uh, what Gloria said, it's so complex. We have to understand that this is, a, this is, we're in a battle. You know, it's like there's so many layers upon layers upon layers. It's like this isn't like something that is how would you say this isn't something that is that is just some like you know like we're gonna even the whole idea that oh we're gonna win something someday. It's a battle. It's a war. Like they're like they're at this very moment, our rights are being disenfranchised as we're speaking right very right now. You know. People are working hard, their 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 budgets, their everything about it to make it work. And the truth is that our leadership, one of the problems with you know what's going on is that you can see the mural I have on, you know, that this is even these guys are lucky. Right? I mean, they every they at least got arrested. That's that was good back then. 
So, you know, I think that that boogeyman is in the back of our minds, whether we like to admit it or not. And we know that to get from point A to point B is going to be a lot more sacrifices. And, and I, you know, and um, democracy starts with participation. Okay. If we don't participate in the struggle, then the struggle dies. That's just, that's just it. There's nothing. And you can see that some of the people that we hold are nearest and dearest. You can see uh, my good friend, uh, uh, John Lewis. Look at that smile. Isn't that just smirky? Smirky is like, yeah, I got arrested. <laughs> you know? And I think that that's very important, you know, um, but this is, this is a challenge. So are we willing to make the necessary sacrifices? Because it is a capitalistic system. So that sacrifice means doing work for free because there's no money for it. Because of course there's no money to get your community together. Like what do you expecting? Some trust fund, <laughs> right? So let's, uh, so I guess Inkaru can go first. Are we willing to make the sacrifices, the necessary sacrifices today? So I'll probably, I'll take um, the approach that I'll take in answering that question would be on the more extreme side. Um, I think when it comes to our people, um, African-Americans, Africans in the diaspora, wherever we may find ourselves, collectively, I would say that no, the answer is no. Um, not enough of us are willing to make that sacrifice because not enough of us are willing to die for it. <laughs> um, you know, I think with you know, as you rightly mentioned, Marlon, um, with Brother Minister Malcolm and Dr. King and so many others um, in, our, in our, our past, in our history, they were willing to die. Like they knew they were going to die because of, you know, their people. I mean, there were just so many things against them, obviously. They looked death in the face every day. Um, it was just like a matter of time, but they did what they had to do to get that message out to support their people, um, you know, until their time was up, unfortunately. But I think for many of us, um, you know, having these types of discussions, having these, um, you know, amongst ourselves or on different platforms like this, I would say it's not enough. Um, it's good, obviously, it, it, it gets the conversation going, it gets us kind of thinking about it, but how many of us are willing to kind of take that next step, which is, you know, like those, sit-ins or um, boycotting, like, you know, for, for many of us, you know, we, we'll be upset. We'll see different things in the news and the media that annoys us. And, uh, you know, we'll say, okay, we're not going to spend money with this organization. But just as we mentioned earlier, after a short amount of time, we'll, we'll still go back and support these organizations. Um, there are different reasons why we do that. But um, so I just think ultimately, uh, not, not a lot of us are willing to make that sacrifice. If one person sacrifices, um, it's not going to make, I guess, a significant amount of change compared to all of us or a majority of us making those sacrifices. Right. Um, thank you, Inkuru. Um, personally, yes, I, I think I'm with you on that one. Um, I see um, in the community a situation where we have people that are well i think the vast majority of people are just trying to survive i think like gloria put it they're you know they are living the culture to survive and the culture to thrive 
It's not even like, are you like, look, I have to survive. I have to feel comfortable that I will survive before I can even think about thriving. So that's, I'm not going to, not trying to like shame or blame anyone in, you know, in regards to, you know, the idea behind, you know, doing all you can and giving everything for, you know, I have to, you know, um, I have to say that, you know, when you think about like even the redlining or like, you know, the urban renewal, they literally had like highways and they would design them to make sure that they divide communities, like design the highway right through the community to purposely turn it into two communities. There are probably a whole lot more things that were done in this complex system to ensure that we are not unified and that lack of unity, that lack of belief that we can, we can actually truly overcome is something that I think we just have to deal with somehow. I don't know how, but I do know that a house divided cannot accomplish much. And um, unfortunately, there is sacrifice involved in this work. You know, you don't get paid. You do a lot of work. You spend a lot of time. Sometimes it's thankless. Sometimes people don't show up. Sometimes people you even that even agree with you, things don't work out. But nonetheless, you still have to push ahead. So I think like as a modern day person that's really, um, you know, really trying to, you know, do what I can and add to the struggle, to add value, my value to the struggle, the organization. Um, I will say that getting participation about serious issues, about these real issues is really difficult. And we have to find a way to cut through the fog and make sure that people are listening. And, you know, and we've got to learn technology. We've got to start gaining the institutional knowledge that is required to win. Because I'm telling you from the complex nature of what's going on, trust me, it's, it's not going, it's not, people are not going away without a fight. And I just hope that we're going to be prepared and not just to fight, like, you know, it's not about violence or anything like that. It's about, you know, really strategically, you know, taking the, the real enemies on, dealing with some enemies now, leaving the ones that are not so dangerous later i mean a lot of a lot of things and um i just feel like we need a lot of you know that i think we can definitely do it but we definitely need some um some kind of awakening of sorts to really understand where we are um tonya i think the question um i think the question that i have would be what do we mean by necessary sacrifices? Because everyone's level of sacrifice is different. And I mean, I can give you like a brief um, example for me. So I work for the state and I work in a county where I work with predominantly black and brown poor families. And I offer all the services that I can offer. Like I max out the budget for the state, like I don't care. And I was told a few weeks ago that that budget is also a part of the budget for like the salaries 
And I was told that if we continue to give too many services to the families, that it would infringe upon us being able to get raises. And I let them know that I just don't really care. Um, if it means that I'll be stuck at this same salary for a few years, then so be it. These families need money for their lights. They need money for food. They need to be able to pay for the hotel that they're in because they just got evicted. Like they need this stuff. They need the counseling services. So who are we to deny them these things when we have the money to give it to them? So that's where the question really comes like, what do you mean by necessary sacrifices? Like everybody can't, everyone can't go and march and get arrested. You know what I mean? So I guess like, what do we mean by sacrifice? Like everyone has to sacrifice something. Am I willing to sacrifice? Yes, but not necessarily going to jail. If that makes sense. No, it makes perfect sense. Makes perfect sense. No, no, no. That's, um, I think, I mean, I think it's relative. I agree with you. It is relative. Um, but there still needs to be some people that are going to go to jail, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Um, oops, what am I doing? All right, so next um, is Ms. Um, Gloria. Wow, okay. <clears throat> I got to meet this young lady that you have going on before me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was in South Carolina, um, just like a couple of months ago, I was in Hollywood. Uh, so that's my South Carolina connection for you. Um, uh, and I have a good friend there. Wow. Okay. What was the question again? Cause I just want to make sure I'm answering and, and, or whatever, responding accordingly. Well, basically what I'm trying to say that, well, this is the extreme version you know people these are the people that we are holding in such high regard these are the ancestors that we're holding in such high regard and uh -huh. this is the sacrifices that they made now of course i think um, what tonya was saying was basically that everybody's sacrifice is going to be different and that is completely understandable um and 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 i don't think it's about everybody going to jail obviously not every some but some people will have to go to jail and whatever sacrifices that you feel is necessary, um, there's some, you know, you know, what do you think? Are we willing? Because some people may not even feel that there's anything to even sacrifice. Like they're not sacrificing anything. So your your question is? Are we feel? willing to make the necessary sacrifices today to get to the mountaintop? Oh, oh no, he did say mountaintop. Okay, so this uh, is where, <laughs> this is, this is where I'm at. They done took uh, Keanu out of the coffin for, for Matrix. <laughs> I was just three or four. And I just feel like there's a bit of Matrix going on here, folks, because the distractions that are before us to, to, to distract us from seeing the restrictiveness that is real, is, it's, it's continuous. Uh, and so when you th I think about sacrifice, I think more in terms of are we willing to put those distractions down and focus on what needs to be done? Um, whether it's, I mean, I don't even want to give examples. I think folks will have to make their own uh, 
um, resolution with themselves when they look and see like nothing's going to change if I keep doing this. And when um, Miss T before me was talking about, oh, when I was talking about B, I was talking about um, B Smith, the the black woman who was a food restauranteur and all that. Um, she was talking about the kind of work that she does. And with Go-Go Bites, going out and talking to people about making, um, making some different choices about what they eat and how and how it really affects your mental health from your belly up. And that the multi-layers of the system that has been working on us for 400 years trying to break us down and still I rise, right? It's now in our food system so deep because before we didn't have a choice what we were eating. Mm. And so now we have a choice and it's really kind of difficult to make people even to make that sacrifice right, when it right. comes to putting down the pork grind rinds and the right, right. and and salt salt not even salt salt <laughs> just <laughs> just be you know listen some salt, on it. some salt salt um so for real I I I think that. It's going to have to be a situation where, as you spoke, like the veil uh, is going to have to be removed. Um, folks are going to be have to be willing to be awake all the time and conscious all the time mm. and be aware of the distractions that are, you know, um, distracting us from the restrictiveness that keeps coming at us. Wow. This is a deep conversation. Yeah, this is the, you know, this in the circle, when you're doing a circle, like by the fifth question, you really start going, we start a bit light and we start going into the, you know, into the deepness, but yeah. Um, yeah. All right, um, Stefan. Um, so I guess I'll be the uh, booking this question um, by responding in in this way, I think that everyone has a particular role to play. I don't think everybody's been uh, called or is because I, I believe people are called to things, but uh, I don't believe people have all been called to the same thing. I don't people. I don't believe people have the same uh, capabilities. Um, people are not in the same position to make uh, whatever you know, quote unquote, sacrifices necessary. So I think that. Um, I think that where everybody is, they should ask the question, what are they willing to sacrifice? What are they willing uh, you know, to give up? And oftentimes, uh, unfortunately, that takes on the, uh, or has, has resulted in um, you, know, you being willing to sacrifice your life, basically to give up your life or to give up your, you know, the freedoms that you do have um, by being jailed or incarcerated. But, um, I think there are, you know, to bring up to bring up other people um, into this discussion as well um, of of Martin and Malcolm. Uh, even when you think about Muhammad Ali, uh, the sacrifice right. that he made was economic and also the prime years of his fighting of his career yeah. um, to stand up for, you know, what was right. Um, and ultimately, he was, you know, in a, in a sense vindicated. Even though people will still hate him. You know, to to this day, but he was ultimately vindicated because 
the of course the war in Vietnam was a uh, a fool's errand, um, and it was something that was destructive to the internal security of the United States and also to um, the Vietnamese people overseas uh, in North and South Vietnam. Um, but also, you know, when you think about Angela Davis, who sacrificed, you know, prestige and also economic um, gain uh, to tell truth and continue to tell truth in academic circles and also uh, with some of the revolutionary um, ideas and things that she uh, can, that she presented and continues to present uh, to this day. Uh, she just, I think she just recently released a book on abolition. Uh, but again, like these, these are things, these are sacrifices that people made from the particular positions and contexts that they were in. So no, um, you know, it doesn't require necessarily for everybody just to get arrested. Everybody can't go to jail. Um, everybody can't lose their life. Uh, we wouldn't have any movement um, right. <laughs> if, if that was the case. But um, the idea should be that wherever you are in whatever space and place and time that you are in, what is that thing? What are those things that you are willing to sacrifice that uh, uh, may be important? Uh, you may even want to hold on to. But what are those things that must be, you must be willing to put on the table, you must be willing to give up in order to see others rise um, and, and, and our community ultimately to rise, for our situation to be different, for our society be, to be transformed in significant ways, not again, not the performative ways and not uh, in, in policy that is not, uh, that is not, that doesn't really have teeth to it, but in, in real and concrete ways, uh, what are we willing to uh, sacrifice so that the real and concrete things can be, can be gained and can be done um, in our society? And so I think that is the, that is the conversation uh, as it relates to sacrifices is in your different, in your various places and stations and, and contexts. What, what does that look like? Fantastic. Thank you so much. These have been, um, you know, just great, 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 great questions. So we have a little video, um, you know, we're going to take a little break and have a little video. And uh, this is more about a little bit about what's going on today. Um, just to put it in a little context, America is browning. More by 2045, um, there will be a, major, a minority majority, meaning people that are of color will be more than 50% of the um, of the population of America. This is by the Census Bureau. This isn't about me. Um, and this is putting um, a lot of cultural pressure on the traditional enemy. And there is a tribe of people in this country who are traditional enemy. They reside in the South. They are the sons of the slave owners. And they systemic, you know, through their religion and culture and everything else, it's gotten so toxic over the years that even we had a January 6th insurrection. All right. And this was, and what was the January 6th insurrection about? Stop the steal because there were a lot of people of color that voted. We, we actually, this was the, this last election was the biggest triumph by, by Martin Luther King. And we must understand it, that this last one was, a, was the biggest, because it was the biggest expression, democratic expression of African-Americans, more African-Americans voted in this last election than any other time ever. All right? All right. So our last uh, question, a closing statement. 
Um, and you can give your closing statement. I mean, just like a big summary over everything. As we know, these pictures, especially the one on the left, was taken when um, uh, Malcolm X gave a surprise visit to show his support from out from from Martin Luther King um, um, during when he was trying to get the Civil Rights Act passed. So um, the last the last question um, is: What would your selected civil rights icon tell people of color today about reaching the mountaintop of equity, inclusion? And healing all right so what would you so basically what's the advice like you know what would you know you know if it's your granddaddy your grandpappy you know what you know how would he tell you all right uh Inkiru? uh to be honest i think um as we mentioned earlier both of them towards the end of their lives their views kind of merged like they started to kind of see or reason with each other and have shared um some similarities with what they were thinking and the approach that they wanted to go in. So I would say for both, um, they would want us to work with others, especially people who are our allies who would want to support us, but at the same time, uh, work amongst ourselves to build things uh, or to build communities, build um, you know the economics and everything else that we discussed earlier. They would want us to work on creating those things and making them very strong for ourselves um, and not relying so much on external factors, but relying on ourselves to build uh, the necessary futures that we want to have. Thank you. Um, for me, um, I think, you know, um, largely along the lines that you said, I think that, um, you know, they would just, you know, the advice, well, I mean, I selected MLK. I think MLK would basically say, you know, that um, that we shouldn't definitely give up, that we should be, you know, we should persevere and we should organize. Um, I think that um, we, we definitely have to start looking at ourselves, not in the monolith and start understanding each other as, you know, different peoples, get our cultural understanding of who we are. Because right now we're, we're, we're people of color from Latin America we're people of color from Africa. We're people of color from African-American. We're people of color from all over, Caribbean and, you know, Asia. It goes on and on. And um, these are all the people in your neighborhood, <laughs> in your neighborhood, you know. And and um, and I think that um, that's what we would have to, you know, and poor whites and it, you know, it goes on and on. And I think that, you know, that that's kind of what we have to really focus on is like, what can we do um, to lift all the boats? Because it's, I don't think that in this climate, you know, with all this, you know, negativity towards reduction of um, voting rights, if we don't take a stand, if we don't try to ensure that our people know, like that's why that last video has a lot of information about, going to vote, what do you do? Go and tell your family, things like that, you know? And I think those are the kind of things we have to, we have to force a, and I know that sounds kind of, you know, by any means necessary, we have, by any peaceful means necessary, let me join two of them together. By any peaceful means necessary, I think that we definitely need to make sure our people know what's at stake because it is our lives that are going down. Now, um, 
I don't know if you know this, but Back Bay is a is a part of Boston. It's kind of like downtown, you know. It's the more affluent area. And Roxbury is a red line area where people of color, African Americans primarily, um, have been kept, and that's the right word, unfortunately, for many for for decades, and nothing has been done to repair that situation. Now we say, okay, well, okay, that doesn't matter. It does matter. And why does it matter? Because these same places have a 30-year life expectancy difference. If you live in Back Bay, not more than three or four miles away from Roxbury, you have you you will live to almost 90 years old or 90 years old. If you live in if you live in Roxbury, you will be you you your life expectancy is 60. 59 or something like that. It's literally 30 years, 31 years of difference. And that's because of all the different things, everything added on top of each other, the complexity of problem after problem. If it's not discrimination, if it's not trying to get get out of poverty, it's, it's discriminatory practices, it's businesses in our community, taking up all the market share. You know, the economic issue is that these market shares is a scientific fact. There's only a certain amount of money in Hyde Park or in Boston. And that money, if, if the people, if the infrastructure exists, meaning businesses that are owned by other people in our community, that is something that is another headwind that we have to fight against in order to have this economic um, stability, right? You, you can't just open up a restaurant and be successful if there's no money because everybody's going to the restaurant they've been going to for 50 years. So anyway, I think, like I said, I think I'm um, just to close it all up. I think that, um, and I think also and one last thing, I also want to point out that these two men are very similar. In fact, I agree with the whole thing. I set it up in a way to get to a solution. And that solution is that they're very much the same. And that being the same, um let's 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 look at one thing a man that is considered non-violent actually had more violence at his activities than the man that's considered violent because like i said he would set up situations in which he he knew they would be subject to violence and they used that violence and the pictures of that violence to change the the course of american history right and, and but towards the end, people don't understand Malcolm, um, um, Martin Luther King actually hardened. He got disillusioned because he realized that, and he said it in one of his speeches that the 1964 and 1965 act, they didn't cost anything anybody. They, they were just ideas. Now, once you got into costing, that's when, 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 when white America had to pay money and make sacrifices for people of color that's when he met his greatest resistance and he grew hardened he was more close to malcolm x at the end and simultaneously malcolm x at the end after going to mecca and seeing that seeing things from a world world view from a wider world view right and um, we have to understand african americans especially in the north were you know we are people of, um, you know, that are living in poverty without our cultural base of the South, 
and it, and you know there was a lot of issues going on there with second class citizenry and the mindset Malcolm X broke out of that and became and went to Mecca saw people of different races worshiping his religion and he realized that even though it's eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth in in Islam that it was something to do particularly with America not having to do with race it was a culture so um anyway I know I probably went a little bit over but um, I just wanted to get my last closing statements in. And um, now, uh, yeah, Tonya. So I believe that both of these icons, if they were here today, um, especially based on their their last speeches and, you know, where they came to in their evolution, I believe that they would want for there to be one large movement instead of several movements because they realized that in order for us to have the real revolution that we need, we need to all come together. Um, Dr. Martin said it in his, his um, sermon about like Paul's letter to the church and how, you know, in God's eyes, there isn't a such thing as a Baptist, as a Catholic, as a Presbyterian. Um, Brother Malcolm said it, you know, like we're not oppressed because we're Muslim, because we're Christian, because we're Catholic, we're oppressed because we're black. So I believe that they will want to get rid of the separate movements and have one movement and so that we can come together as a unit in order to, you know, because I mean, like you said, by what is it, 2045, 2055, mm -hmm. like we'll be the majority, but it's not going to matter if. 10 of us are over here, 30 of us are over there. Like if we don't come together, right, it still right. doesn't matter if we're the majority. So I think that's where they would be because towards the end, that's what they were doing. They were coming together. Right. And Dr. King's last birthday that he celebrated, he had a meeting with the Poor People's Campaign where there were Hispanic people, white people, right. Asian people, black, everyone who was poor and that was a leader in that community was there and that was a problem. My sister, you really said it right. And that's exactly it, that 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 the fact that he was going, he was going to help everybody. And I really think that that was why he was assassinated. Because, okay, you know, you're stepping beyond your bounds is the way I look at it, that he was actually helping real poor people. And um, so thank you so much for your um, for your comments. Um, next, uh, Gloria. Well, I thought about your... Um one of your uh, favorite people, John Lewis, and talked about, is it the, is the good trouble that he talked about? Right. Uh, necessary so trouble. Necessary. I was gonna, yeah, yeah. There would definitely have to be some necessary trouble. Uh, we would definitely have to, I believe, uh, focus on healing ourselves. I, I talk about being involved in a book club a while back, about my grandmother's hands that, book, uh, that was the book. And talking about um, healing this trauma so that we can work together. As the young lady before me said, we, if, if part of us are here and there, and then um, there's a gentleman after me, is it Stefan? Yep. Right. And um, in, the, in the last segment, he, he brought up something that was, that was really important too. And it's just like, there's going to have to be cohesiveness, even though we're not all doing the same thing. This finger can't do the same thing as my toe, you know? And 
so there's going to be genuine, genuine gifts and abilities that each of us have to bring together. And again, I'm going to go back to talking about the distractions. The distractions are keeping us from seeing how much we are alike and how much we need each other and that we're not separate. And um, I also was just thinking about the, the analogy that I heard not too long ago, uh, probably over the summer, about the contract where if we work hard and do the right things, we'll be rewarded, you know, the pursuit of happiness. But the contract kept getting broken and amended and switched and never to our benefit. Uh, and that's a reality. So at some point, folks are going to have to honor the contract. Right. Because then you're going to have some necessary trouble. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I'm just schneying. I'm just schneying. Thank you so much. Um, no, no, I agree with you completely. Um, um, last but not least, the, the 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 man of the hour, Stefan. Is he here? Is he here with us? Uh, Stefan actually had to leave. Okay, okay, no problem, no problem. I wasn't aware. All right, well, I guess we're. Um, I guess. Um, we're, well, we're done. Um, I want to thank everybody for joining us um, today. Please, we're still answering questions. I'm going to be here. I'm glad we, well, what time is it? Just about nine. Oh, yeah. So we're just about on time. Thank you so much, everybody, to join us. Our panelists, thank you for coming out here tonight. Um, Inkaru, thank you. Tonya, uh, Gloria, Stefan, thank you all very much for joining us tonight. Um, and we want to um, get more panelists in here. Um, so please send this out. We're going to have a video. This video will be available um, live um, 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 on our on um, building back. I mean, building Africa's future as well as Afro American TV. So please check it out, share it. Um, we'll be sending out emails afterwards, as well as please. We are going to be having more of these discussions on more topics coming up in Black History Month, right? So please, please, please send a message out. We want to hear your voice. We need to get some new fresh voices on the show. Um, so um, this is the QR code. You can you can um, go there. We have a panelist application, right? And with the panelist application, you can sign up and we can um, get you on from the, you know, we're going to have a bunch of events. And especially this, depending on how many people we get, We'll kind of work on how many events we have, but we're definitely going to have one on um, some of the history, the critical race theory. So if you want to learn about critical race theory and what's going on, we got some of that going on. Um, some women's issues. We got some young people. Yes, some like young people, teenagers, and they're going to give us a presentation on um, some of the stuff that's going on. Um, we're going to have a lot of stuff going on for Black History Month, um, educational circles like this. And we hope that you will join us. So, um, so everybody, well, I want to thank everybody once again. Thank you so much. It's been such a great time. I've enjoyed myself. I hope you have too. Please get involved with the Afro-American Culture Initiative. We have a lot of stuff that we're doing for the community. Please get involved with building back, um, building Africa's future. Um, Inkaru is doing great work. Check out her podcast. 
I'm sure she'll put something in the in in, in the link. And yeah, um, if you have if you don't have any more questions, we'll just be here. But um, thank you so much, all the panelists, Tonya, uh, Steph, uh, Stefan, Gloria. Um, and yeah, man, enjoy ML, enjoy your MLK day. And yo, to 2022, we're gonna make things happen. That's that I'm claiming it. <laughs>